Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. here with Fly on the Wall podcast, episode 178. Uh, Just Luke will not be joining me this evening. Uh, He's working on a new range of men's apparel and men's fragrances. And of course, as you would understand, that takes a lot of time, commitment, energy, emotion. I know that he's been crying most nights now uh, for the past six months, just trying to get those ideas together for what he wants to call stench a man's smell and uh, I think it's all coming together really nicely look I'm not involved and I certainly won't be buying it but he's really proud of it and putting it out there in the world is going to be something that I know is going to bring him a lot of satisfaction and pride Um, I'm going to take a lot more satisfaction and pride in promoting my older brother Tim the professor the release of his e-novel uh, Vanguard, which is up on Amazon Books now. And coming up this episode, I have an interview with Tim that I did uh, that I hope everyone enjoys. I hope that, you know, some people out there might be interested. You might want to have a look. Uh, the lovely thing about an ebook is they're very affordable and they're very easy to get. <laughs> so I definitely implore anyone who's got a bit of an interest in alternative history or sci fi or diesel punk, uh, anything like that, to have a look. And certainly have a listen. Certainly stick around for a listen. Uh, Tim's had uh, an influence over my life. I mean, you're probably just hearing a couple of those phrases there draw parallel with some of my own interests that I've brought up on the podcast in the past um, in terms of alternative history and, and history overall, sci-fi, diesel punk, steampunk. And I would say he's my older brother. Um, we're quite close in age, and I would say that that I've certainly, well, I would say followed his lead. I think that I've definitely always looked up to him when it came to his knowledge on these things, his interest in these things, the detail he draws from such things, and he certainly influenced those things in me, I think, because it was something we can talk about, we talk about film, we talk about books. He's lent me lots of, you know, sci-fi short stories and books over the years and even just um, when he used to get G.I. Joe comics all the time. You know, we, I would do G.I. Joe comics and talk about them with him and we'd, we'd draw up our own uh, little comic series or do, you know, posters or whatever it might be, little short stories. And I was very much influenced by the way he would do things and I would sort of take, you know, key elements and just slightly change them. But... In effect, plagiarise his work. <laughs> but I don't mind that. I, I say that with pride because, uh, yeah, like I said, I looked up to him. I was definitely influenced by those things. Ever, ever, ever since the the Lego Voltron knocked me down and with being being so impressed with it, it knocked me down. Um, back when we were very, very young, about, you know, six or seven, um, yeah, I've always looked up to his 
his way of thinking about things. So it's been a real pleasure to have this interview on this episode. Um, and yeah, hopefully you can bear with us while we do that. It's about half an hour episode, half an hour interview. Um, but it was good. It was nice. It was a good conversation, a good chat. And Luke and I were really keen to promote his novel. Um, and because we don't really, we don't see him so much. I don't get to talk to him that often. Uh, he lives in Korea and has a, has a, you know, a life over there. So it was really nice to be able to share some time and celebrate uh, this little accomplishment with him. So, yeah, thanks very much for joining us for that. We definitely appreciate it. I will be back and see you shortly with the interview. Hello, and uh, we're back in, and it's it's Big Was here, and I am very lucky to be joined on episode 178 of Fly on the Wall podcast by a long-term listener, and up until now, not part of any of our interviews or little hellos or anything like that, but has had his influence over due time, and, and that is my older brother, Tim, the professor. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. That's good. It's very nice to have you here. And I've actually got Tim on video call, but I'm recording the audio for the podcast because we thought we'd bring him on to focus on the release of your, shall I call it an e-novel? Yes. yes okay. Because I think e-book, I don't know, it just doesn't do it justice quite. So it's, uh, it's, you've just released an e-novel on Amazon Books. And by the name of Vanguard. That's right. And it's been a, a long time coming. I, I certainly know that. Yes, a labour of love. Um, but yeah, how how are you feeling about it all? Like a like a weight has been lifted from my shoulders. I have to confess. <laughs> Would you say it's a was it a pleasurable weight to bear? Um, I enjoyed. Uh, the writing. I enjoyed writing and editing the book, but you know, it's. I've been always. I've been looking forward to moving on to new projects. So moving on to, you know, to new genres, uh, to new stories, new characters. So yeah, I'm pleased to have finished it. Looking forward to moving on, doing something very different, something completely different. Well, that's great. Well, I mean, speaking of this one in question, how long would you say? And I mean, you, you can you can change it if you want to, but how long have you worked on this one? Do you think in total, like you know, what? How much time have you dedicated to this piece? Okay, in its present form, it only took shape in the last few years. We're talking in the last three years or so. Okay, but I began, but I began writing the stories that, if you like, were the seed that this book would grow from okay. 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah. I like the fact yeah. that you've come 
well, maybe not come back to it. You've just always hung on to that as the the idea you wanted to flesh out more and make into something substantial like this yes. particular novel. Yes. It, the world building um, in the stories has taken many years to take to take to take its present form. So when I began writing the stories 15 years ago, you know, I envisaged this retro futuristic world, you know, like diesel punk, yeah. echo punk, something like that. But it took a long time for me to flesh out the world that these stories were taking place. Yeah. That took a long time. I had many different ideas, many different influences that had sort of competed with each other. And it took a, a long time for these ideas to settle down and for me to kind of be able to visualize this world very clearly yeah well it's it's great that you've uh you've honed it to a point where you felt like you could put it out there in the world so congratulations is in order from both luke and i i know that we're both um very much behind you in terms of we knew that it was something that was close to completion and close to releasing uh and you just needed to make those finishing touches get everything in order and and you know feel comfortable enough to put it out there so well done mate Cheers. Yeah, thank you. Well, and, and hopefully, you know, if uh, if anyone's interested from the podcast, from our, our beloved little world of listeners and watchers and viewers and contributors, um, we're going to leave a link to the Amazon site with and to the, the novella, uh, novel, sorry, not novella, um, to be able to make a purchase there if you'd like because, of course, being an e-book, it's pretty affordable, I think, in anyone's world and you can you can read it i think it's got like a kindle version and then you can you can get i think you can literally read it on a browser as well which is i think what i ended up being able to do um so i think there's a few flexible options there and you know even if you're just curious and you want to have a bit of a peek at it um you can certainly go via the link does that sound all right tim sounds good to me (laughs) well speaking of the you know forming the ideas for the world, fleshing out your, um, you know, the wider context of everything. Could you tell us maybe a brief, you know, synopsis of what it's all about? Certainly. Well, my, my passion is history and particularly alternative history or alternate history. I'm interested in... Rock on, brother. You know, how, <laughs> yeah, yeah, how history might have unfolded differently had events taken place differently in the past. Yeah. And so... This doesn't give too much away, but basically I'm fascinated by uh, what's called the Byzantine or Eastern Roman Empire, which ended uh, in the Middle Ages. It lasted a thousand years, so it's it's basically the longest lasting empire in Western history. Okay. And so I've written a book set in a world where the Byzantine Empire somehow survived up until the 21st century. It has outlasted every other kingdom and empire and nation yes in the world yeah. yeah so so not to be and and this is coming from a place of total ignorance how in fact did the byzantine empire fall uh back when it did or did it just break apart well the, the byzantine empire went through cycles of decline and resurgence um what what finally led to its demise was the the rise of the Turks, the Ottoman Empire, right, uh, and they were able to uh, breach the city walls, which were until then 
well nigh impregnable by using massive cannons built by a, I gather a Serbian uh, gunsmith. Okay. They built these massive cannons. Those bloody Serbian gunsmiths. <laughs> reached these walls which had resisted everybody else for right. the better part of the millennium. So and this is of Constantinople or somewhere else? Yeah, Constantinople, so which is now present-day Istanbul, yes. Turkey, the largest city in Turkey, though okay. not the capital. Okay, so. right. Well, that's – yeah, okay. So that's an interesting context and, and yet, like you said, the longest-lasting uh, empire in Western, Western history. history. Yeah. And so I felt the empire, although it might sound like an eccentric idea, having the Byzantine Empire survive for, in my book for as long as it has, if you read up on Byzantine history, you know – the theme of survival comes through very strongly. Just over time, they face so many crises and emergencies where the it looked like the empire was going to be extinguished, um, but it didn't survive. It pulled through, and so that you know that's that's basically why I chose this particular empire, not say the British Empire or you know or the French Empire or some other empire to take centre stage. That's right. I suppose yeah, a, a twist yeah. of fate, a change of direction. A failed attack might have been enough to keep them going for another, yeah, a thousand years, another five hundred yep. years, whatever it might That's be. Right. Okay, so, yep. um, and so, what's the this? You know, if there is a smaller story within this this landscape, um, what's the the story that takes place within this this world? Well, the story, the point of view character for the for the reader is a character called Atos Marpros who begins the story as a pilot, and he flies an aircraft uh, from an airship. Now, I got the idea from this, from uh, history. In the 1930s, the U.S. Navy experimented with flying aircraft carriers. And when I say flying aircraft carriers, I mean airships like Zeppelins yeah. that carried uh, so-called parasite fighters. And the idea was that these planes could be uh, you know, dropped from the Zeppelin uh, they could then scout ahead of the fleet at sea and then return to the to the Zeppelin. So often what they did was they removed the land, the undercarriage, the, the wheels from these aircraft right. and gave them extra fuel. So for long range reconnaissance and scouting. So that was a key that was a key idea. And so the idea in the story, Atos uh, flies aircraft from a from a Zeppelin, basically. He's a, a scout pilot. And then through the course of the book, he joins the secret police. He's recruited by the secret police and he becomes an agent of the secret police. And in his capacity as an agent, he discovers um, some very dark secrets about the empire and why it's survived. So right. Okay. Well, that's yeah, that's an interesting way yeah. of bringing it back to that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's right. So it's the story of how he you know, is recruited by the ESA, uh, which is the name of the secret police in the book, and then... As I said, he was able to uh, discover secrets which he would not have been able to discover had he remained a pilot. So. Right. So he's a plot device. In many ways, in many ways, he is a plot device. Um, in, many ways. In, in a way, to it's yeah to to sort of discover this this world that you've um, that yes. you've imagined. Yes. 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 Um, but there are other characters in the story. He's essentially the, the point of view character. But there are other characters in the book, and if I might say so. Uh, those characters, in time, became more interesting for me. Over time, they, you know, and their relationships. So, yeah. Okay. So, Atos is very much the, the way of introducing the reader to this world, 
taking them through that world, but then along the way you meet other characters and learn about their relationships and their histories. And hopefully that makes the story just much more emotionally rich and engaging. So, well, that yeah. sounds that sounds great. That sounds excellent, mate. And and so what would you? I mean, you've you've talked about your interest and love for history, um, and alter, yeah. alternative history as being another strong um, source of inspiration for you as well. And so it gives us that backdrop there. And what would you say in terms of, I mean, it could be, it doesn't have to be within the same world, like maybe some of your favourite novels um, and, you know, some of your favourite films and any other influences that you think uh, have affected you in a way where you've gone, I'm going to apply that to my to my story, I'm going to bring that into the story because I really like how, you know, this was done or something. Yeah, certainly. Well, I've always been a, a fan of good world building Yeah. ever since I was young. I've always appreciated good world building, particularly uh, in a science fiction or fantasy set. Uh, and so I've always enjoyed picking up books like, for example, the, uh, the, the visual dictionaries or visual guides that were made for the Star Wars films. That, yeah. You know, just reveals so much more information about the world that those films are set in. I find those books absolutely fascinating. Um, perhaps a more direct influence on this particular book is dystopian fiction. Um, I actually don't read a lot of novels. Uh, I generally read history books or the news, uh, follow what's happening in the world you know, by the media. Yeah. But the books that I do really enjoy are very bleak dystopian novels. And I'll give you a few examples. One of them is Metro 2033. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> novel, yep. Which is a Russian novel, which you, in fact, gave me as a gift. Uh, that's a, a very good dystopian novel. Uh, I also recommend The Running Man by Stephen King, which he wrote under his pseudonym, Richard Backman. Yeah. And it's very different from the film, which, don't get me wrong, I enjoy because uh, it's a dystopian action film. But the novel is very different. And if you haven't read the novel, then I encourage you to check it out. It's a, it's a good, quick, but brutal, very visceral read. I also enjoy the novelization of the first Mad Max movie, which, again, is very different from the film. It takes the basic plot line and characters um, and situations from the film, yeah. but it's set in a world uh, not as broken down as in the film. In the film, what you see is a very broken down, world that's in terminal decline but in the in the novel the novelization of the film i should say you have a world which is um kind of reminds you more of the robocop films or the running man film yeah so but without without cyborgs and robots yes but it's set in a more of a near future dystopian world um and the first chapter of that novelization offers you know some very rich piece of world building which you have read that book by the way the book is long out of print but if you're interested if you go to youtube there's a website called audiobooks for the dam and they have a a reading of somebody did an amateur reading of the novelization it's actually quite good so that was called what was that site called again what's that what was the site called again uh, audiobooks for the damned for the damned there you go audiobooks for the damned viewers now, although the book is set in Australia, um, the films and, and novels are set in Australia, although Australia is not mentioned by name novelization, but there's enough clues in the book that you can work it out that it's 
set in Australia and not America. Yeah. Um, but the, the voiceover, um, the reading of the audiobook is done by an American, and actually that works really well because I didn't realise just how hard-boiled the the tone of the novelization was until I listened to it. I, I borrowed the book from the library many years ago and read it. But then when I re listened to it on audiobooks for the dam, I began to really appreciate just how hard boiled um, the, you know, the, the, the narration. The, the whole tone was, of it so. was, and, and then what the narration added. Yeah. Yeah. Having an American um, with a good speaking voice really enhanced that book book. And I think did a better job than perhaps a perhaps an Aussie with an opera accent. How dare you? <laughs> no, that's a fair it's a I'll fair point. It's a yeah, fair I'll point. Be <laughs> yeah, it's like you're saying Australians don't have a classy accent, mate. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> what are you bloody on about? Um no no that's a fair point. Okay, well thank you. Yeah, so that's a few of your uh written influences. Yeah. And so what would you say are your, you know, your film influences when it comes to, you know, I guess the same thing, how you've directed it into the, the novel? Well, that's a hard one because... There's so many, I would imagine. Look, I have different favourite films, but the influence for this book probably came more from uh, Pinterest on the oh. internet, which I believe. Oh, so more artwork yeah, um, and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. artwork. I've always been a big fan of science fiction art, SF yeah. art. And on Pinterest, if you know where to look, there's a lot of diesel punk or deco punk retro futuristic art. Um, and I've always thought, well, where's the fiction that goes with these art? Now, I'm aware of there are some diesel punk or you know, deco punk video games like Bioshock, for yes. example. The Bioshock series is a good example. Um and you can consider films like The Rocketeer, made back in the 90s. You've got elements of it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, or the computer game Crimson Skies that was around uh, years ago. But there's not a lot. There's not a lot of fiction, at least in my opinion, that really brings the, uh, the diesel punk universe to life. And yeah. So I, in a way, set out to write, you know, to, there's, to there's wild diesel punk. Sorry to interject briefly, but on a on a slightly humorous note, there is the Wild Wild West with uh, Will Smith and Kevin Klein. Yeah, I haven't seen that. But that's probably more steampunk. Steve, Steve yeah, no, I think you're correct, Steve and I don't think Steve it was particularly well done either. So that was more my smart ass. Yeah, I I encountered steampunk through a novel called The Difference Engine by William Gibson um, and Bruce Sterling, which I enjoyed, and then later I discovered diesel punk, which it's not based in a kind of a faux Victorian, you know, period. Yes. But it takes its cues from um, its visual cues from the 1930s and 40s. Yes. So, yeah. Um, but like I said, there doesn't seem to be a lot of fiction out there really set in a diesel punk universe, diesel punk world. So. It is a pretty cool visual thing. I think you're right there, and and, and I like yes. your reply because I think uh, as much visual ideas and things that people have, have put up and, you know, and I guess the more the merrier really because you might like aspects of this particular piece because of the colours they've used. You might like this one because of the, the scene it portrays. You might see something that has a vast kind of cityscape where you're like, wow, that just evokes exactly the kind of tone that you want, that you would hope for 
in what you see in your mind as well. So I could see that that would be a strong influence. You can get lost on a Pinterest journey or, you know, even just a Google image search, I suppose, um, when it comes to anything like that where you start looking up artworks. Mm. Now, like, Pinterest is the gift that gives on giving. It's, um, it's a, a rich mine of... Like syphilis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we might, we might uh, we'll break for a second and we'll come back with more in just a moment. Okay, so we're back in with uh, Big Woz on episode 178 of Fly on the Wall podcast, and I am currently doing a very, very formal interview with my brother Tim uh, about his wonderful new e-novel called Vanguard. Uh, We were just discussing it before, and it's available on Amazon. We're going to leave a link to that in the description for the episode. Uh, so anyone who's interested in having a look and making that purchase, that's fantastic. Thank you. Or even just having a bit of a look and seeing what it's all about. Uh, that would be awesome and much appreciated from all of us here. And we were just talking then off air about, you know, what's next on the agenda for you, mate, now that you've you've got this particular weight off your shoulders, this project is closed off and pushed out there into the void. Um, yeah, what are you thinking about? Well, Initially, I was thinking about a sequel. So I was thinking, not that I plan to write it soon, but I thought, you know, if people do buy the book and like the book, more importantly, if they like the book and would like to see more stories set in that world, I would be happy to oblige. And so what I've been doing is thinking of ways that I could extend the story. So looking at the characters who are in the book that I've just finished and thinking, you know, realistically, can I continue their story? Is it worth continuing their story or has their story been told? So I've been looking at, you know, ways that I could realistically continue the story and whether it would work with existing characters or whether new characters would be better. And, you know, and so, and, and I, but I would like to go back and explore that world that I've created at some time. You know, a lot of effort has been put into building the world that the story is set in. And I would be very happy to return to it at some point and explore it uh, more deeply, you know, uncover new mysteries and and so forth. And so, like I said, I've just been thinking about ways I could uh, continue the story in a way that's not too contrived, yeah. you know, and, and doesn't necessarily scream, you know, unnecessary, unnecessary sequel uh, here. Like, but, you know, ways I could I could continue the story if, if there is some interest there. Well... And, and, you know, I'm just shooting the breeze here with you, mate. It's more conversational in this manner. But I was just thinking about um, like how, and this is just the only example that came to my head, after the release of Aliens, um, you know, yes. people got very excited about the possibilities of, of uh, Corporal Hicks 
and Ripley yes. and Newt's character and what would happen afterwards, yes. you know. And so that introduced a world of, of comic stories where, you know, this is where the, the Predators were first, you know, kind of came into it and all the comics that came in after that point, it started to introduce these other story threads. And I was thinking, firstly, I was thinking about your um, your love for the Pinterest art, you know, stuff that's on Pinterest. Yes. And thinking of visual yeah. stuff to go with your your world yeah. building, but then also sort of episodic or almost like snapshots from different areas across the world. So it's almost like a collection of of uh, not short stories, but like it's a collection of episodes that are from different viewpoints. In fact, it's funny you say that. Yeah. Because, in fact, that's exactly the line I was thinking of. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the, the, the novel that I wrote, have just finished, Yes. as I said, revolves around a character called Atos Marvros, though many other characters certainly, you know, enter his, you know, enter his life through the course of the book. But, you know, with the sequel, he will not be, I can, I can tell you for a fact, you know, he will not be the protagonist of that not sequel novel. Yeah. And like you said, I do envisage it more as a collection of short stories that kind of some connect more than others. Some will have no connection with each other except that they take place in the same world where others would kind of connect with each other more. So in that, I was drawing inspiration from a novel that was written many years ago uh, called Stand on Zanzibar, which was by a British author called John Brunner. And he wrote a book uh, which, again, has... There is a main, there are main sort of uh, a core group of main characters whose adventures you follow through the novel, but there are many, many other characters, yeah, in that novel who will sometimes appear in only just a short chapter. Uh, again, and the purpose of that is to make that world come to life. Yeah, you know, in a way that if it only had focused on one or two characters, wouldn't it? And so that's the point I want to make: is if I do return to this world in a sequel. I want to really explore that world in depth. And the best way to do that would be to have a number of characters, each with their own story, yeah. and they don't always necessarily directly meet each other or connect. Oh, absolutely. So, yes, it's interesting that you mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, no, I just yeah. thought, well, you know, with the world that you, yeah, you clearly have thought out and tried to flesh out as much as you can in this yes. piece, that you just, yeah, you still want to spend more time in the world. But, yeah, with different viewpoints and different characters, different dialogue within yes. it. And I think yes. that um, that could make a really interesting sort of cross-section of the whole experience. So I'd be very interested in, uh, yeah, in seeing what you come up with in the future. Mm. Mm. Um, Good. And I think, I think I meant to mention earlier in our little interview here, but I was going to make mention of the fact that uh, – it's better that you did move out into that little area you were telling me is better sounding and everything because, of course, I do have the dystopian um, future world look of Blade Runner 2049 um, South Korea <laughs> you know, behind you in, in the night yeah. it, because it's basically a haze of dark but then there's it's the windows of many, many apartment buildings are kind of picked out in a checkerboard of... of uh, of, I'm trying to think of the right wording now, and I've stuffed up my poetic description. Um, checkerboard of light. There you go, a checkerboard of light and background. Um, I'm half expecting to see one of those uh, the, those cars fly past. 
spinners. The yeah. spinners, and then a, a massive billboard with a a very calm looking lady just sort of nodding in <laughs> in acceptance at me. But yeah, it's that's pretty cool as well in the background. But that's where you are right now. It's an amazing world where we can speak uh, on a video video call, South Korea to Melbourne. Yeah. And talk crap for yeah. about half an hour. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> but I must admit, yeah. this is probably far less crap than Luke and I normally delve into. This is a much more uh, interesting <laughs> and thought out concept. So thank you um, very much for spending some time with us today, mate. Thank you. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. No, I've, it's been great. That's good. Well, hopefully, it's the first of many interviews regarding your your novel. Who knows? Yeah, no, I'm, it, I'm certainly up for it. Absolutely. You, you might get some interest from other, other parties. It'd be great. It'd be great to see um, just people giving you some feedback too because um, I know from our point of view it's just nice when people are involved and give you thoughts and whether it's it doesn't have to be loaded with praise even if they just it, – oh. it is obvious yeah. that people have paid attention and read it. That's yeah. – that would yeah, probably no, no. Be I, I would welcome any uh, comments, and so people can feel free to comment and say what worked for them, what didn't work, what characters they liked, which they, which ones they didn't, what they'd like to see more of in the future, what they would like to see less of. Yeah, I'm. I'd be very interested to hear their to hear their. Fantastic. Well, congratulations again, mate, and and thank you very much for the the time on the podcast today. I'm going to close it down. And when we can just, you know, we can just talk a little bit after that. But so on behalf of the podcast, thank you again. And we hope to, yeah, be discussing your next project in the, you know, maybe not the near future, but in the in the possible future. It'd be great. Yeah. Episode six thousand eight hundred (laughs) and twenty two. You'll be back for more. All right, Tim. We'll we'll say goodbye and I will be back shortly. Hello, and we're back in. It's Big Was here, episode 178, Fly on the Wall podcast. If you've just stumbled across it, hopefully you feel at home. Feel free to stay. Stay a while. Stay forever. Um, That was from an old Commodore 64 game that we used to have back in the day. Anyway, random. Uh, I was just thinking about the hailstorm that we had yesterday. It was nuts. It was actually nuts. Never had well. We've had plenty of hailstorms, but in my particular suburb, I wouldn't say we've ever had a weather event that had that kind of hail. I know there's been local ones in other areas of Melbourne where it's like golf ball sized hail, or you know, and it, and a few years back it did quite extensive damage to cars and you know roofing and um like plants and, you know, farmers' crops, like tore, tore shit up. Um, yesterday's one, though, as much, as much as it wasn't maybe that big, these were like, oh, what would you say? I would say it was a centimetre across, which is, I'm not sure what that would be in inches, but I'm guessing it's like around half an inch or a bit more. Um, and the sound of it, like if, if people have a tin roof, it was like machine gun fire. And it was hammering down, ended up looking rather like snow. And that's not something that we get. We're strangers to snow in this suburb as well. We only get it in the high country in Australia, normally. Um, 
So, yeah, it was all rather exciting and all rather crazy and lucky that we were home because dogs tend to freak out. But, yeah, I was just thinking about that and I was thinking about uh, when we have discussed, I think, our friend Mark from Massachusetts has brought it up in the past before. Sorry, I have to concentrate when I say that because otherwise I fuck it right up. Um, it had talked about a, a very, very serious storm uh, some years back that had taken place. You know, we just don't get that sort of like crazy level of intensity when it comes to storms. We, I mean, we had a wind, I shouldn't say that, we had a wind event last year that like blew trees down everywhere. But I don't know. That seems like a really freak occurrence where I feel like blizzards and um, uh, flooding and tornadoes and cyclones and this all happened elsewhere. So, yeah, this was kind of serious stuff yesterday and, and everything got flooded, um, you know, around my front garden and that. So I was just thinking about what other people have kind of experienced around the world if you've had to, you know, if you've had fires, bushfires, grass fires, uh, drought, because, I mean, even that can be damaging in a more protracted, drawn-out way. Um, the... I guess, uh, well, tsunami, if you've been affected by that. I am sorry, because that would be fucking scary. But anything like that, like severe weather event that's really messed up your your existence there for a while, or you've had to move, or you've been displaced for a, a number of months. Um, can't even imagine that. feel very lucky that, you know, we're dramatising about the, this you know, hailstorm, and people have to tolerate so much more. So, I don't know, just thought I'd bring it up <laughs> for no other reason than it happened yesterday. It was still fresh in my mind. Um, so, again, thanks for joining. It was a bit of a shorter episode this time. Didn't want to um, necessarily break up too much. Luke might have something. Uh, he might have a thing or two to stick in uh, somewhere that he finds suitable. Uh, but it could be just us, and hopefully that's okay too. Hopefully it gives you something to have a couple with and enjoy. And we'll be back next week. We still, don't worry, we haven't forgotten about Mafia Part 2 and Mafia Part 3. It is a three-parter. We have a couple of ideas for other follow-up episodes as well. It's been a little bit different of late, um, So, but hopefully you, you've been bearing with it and enjoying some of the changes and not minding the little breather that we had the other week. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we'll be back very, very soon with episode 179, Fly on the Wall podcast. The podcast. What does a podcast do? It's all about desserts. You can do Christmas pudding, fruit pies, custards, vanilla slice, brownies. The podcast. It's coming soon. Toodles! It's the Fly on the Wall motherfucking podcast. G'day guys, this is Luke uh, from Fly on the Wall Podcast. How you going? This is episode 178. My name's Luke. <laughs> I think I just said that. Uh, look, it's early in the morning. Um, I'm a gardener by trade, so, you know, we don't get up late. We don't have the luxury of getting up late because there's grass to cut and shit to prune, shit to dig. So for this week's episode, I thought I'd do a bit of a day in the life of a gardener by trade. Well, more specifically, this gardener, Luke, from Flight Wall Podcast. I already said that. Um, yeah, I just thought, you know, what could I do that's going to be boring as fuck 
for the listeners. <laughs> Could I, I was contemplating reading sections of the dictionary, some of my favorite words. My favorite word being flabbergasted, actually. Um, I just like how it rolls off the tongue, flabbergasted. So this is basically what you're doing, what we're doing with this episode. What I'm doing with this episode is you're stepping in to my brain in a working, in an average working day, okay? So, so strap yourselves in, guys. <laughs> Fucking hell. Ah, yeah, look. My first job, <clears throat> lovely lady. I won't mention her name, but she's a lovely lady. Um, I won't mention her name because she is a politician um, and she's been in newspapers lately for um, sleeping around with teenage boys. Nah, I'm only joking. No, she's a lovely lady and uh, yeah, she's got some honeysuckle that's gone crazy. It's gone crazy. So I said, I'll get some trellis and we'll tame that savage beast back into place. Strap it to some trellis. So yeah, I'm off to the hardware store to get some trellis and uh, we'll sort that shit out. She's also got a a ton of clover. Um, Clover is a bastard, actually. Nice and easy to pull out if you're weeding it. Um, but there's something in the fumes, in I don't know, in the with clover. When I whip a snippet, there's some weird chemical thing seeping from it that I don't know makes me cough, makes me stop breathing. It actually makes me stop breathing. So if there's any scientists out there, <coughs> um, yeah, let me know. The fly on the wall podcast one one uh, at gmail.com. Um, yeah, flick me a line and tell me what the fuck is going on with Clover and why does it make me stop breathing when I whip a snippet. Um, talking of professors and such though, um, you would have heard Big Woz's interview with uh, the professor um, before before me here. I haven't listened to it myself yet, but it should be a good one. Um, yeah, all right, well, I'll go to a quick break and I'll come back with more bloody shit. Um, <clears throat> so I've done the job. Uh, there was a shitload of clover. Ah, oh, it's just, you know, you're on your hands and knees picking this shit out. If I had my way, I'd just spray poison, you know. But she's got a little puppy dog and she's worried about the dog dying. And even though I've said it's, you know, give it a couple of hours, it's fine. Anyway. Yeah, so it's an hour, an old man on his hands and knees. But you know what? I was thinking about it, and, and it, you know, it's one of those jobs, weeding, like manually weeding, is one of those jobs, one of those, one of those activities, part of my role as a gardener, that I don't love, I've got to be honest. But when, when I'm doing shit like that, and I'm going, oh, or it might be like it's a really stinking hot day, and I'm like, fucking hell, it's hard, or the grass is up to my waist, or whatever... You know, those just those really tough jobs, I suppose. I'm always very quick to remind myself just how lucky I am, though, you know? Uh, generally, most of the time, anyway, I'm, I'm fairly positive. And, um, you know, I chose to start this humble little business of mine, so I guess it's that little reminder of, like, well, you know, I'm lucky to be outside, lucky to be... I love working outdoors. Lucky that it's my own business and all those kinds of things, you know? So... <laughs> Yeah, those little shitty moments, you know, they're, they're often quashed pretty quickly because um, of my positive thinking about my own job. 
Anyway, so off to another job. Um, I've got, what have I got? I've got four today, but the last one is a big one. It's actually one of my favorite properties to work on. It's up in the hills um, here in Australia. Um, it's a bushy block, uh, well, mostly bushy block. And um, yeah, I absolutely love it up there. You know, whether it's early morning or late afternoon, it's always just really, really fresh and nice and just lovely up there. So that's my last job for the day. I'll be up there for quite a few hours. We've got to do a lot of burning off. <coughs> Might even talk to you while I'm, uh, you know, beside the uh, the campfire. Um, the next one is for a a, new, a fairly new client of mine. Um, actually, I've done. If you've got Instagram, um, fly on the wall podcast one one with an underscore between each of the words. If you've got our Instagram, you'll be able to scroll down and see um, this property. When I first went there, it was a, it was a fucking shitty horrible place and I like to think I've turned it uh, turned it around turned it into something that's quite picturesque and and lovely to walk around in not that I think the client really does but yeah um, so it was it was crazily overgrown like weeds not just not just grass but weeds up to my nipples um, <laughs> and um, yeah it took it was a big the, the initial job was a was a big one. Um, I was pretty much there all day, <coughs> and um, yeah, got it all done for the client. Um, he was pretty happy. Um, this particular client, he, because I, ninety-eight percent of my clientele um, are people who um, have special needs or mental health issues or um, some sort of uh, some form of disability, and uh, I get a lot of. I think I've mentioned this before, but I get a lot of reward or a lot of satisfaction out of helping people full stop but especially I guess people that really need it um, they're often the most grateful and it's yeah it's just I don't know it just it ticks a box for me anyway but this particular client he was telling me um, that he had quite a um, severe car accident a few years back and he was told well, first of all he was told he wouldn't talk or walk again and he, he did that, he beat, he beat what the doctor said and made sure that he could uh, communicate and, um, and walk around again. Um, and they also said he probably wouldn't be able to live independently, um, which is what he does as well. He lives independently, he gets help from me and from other services and stuff, but um, yeah, he manages on his own. Now, he told me that the accident, the car accident was so bad, it actually split his skull in three places. Um, like like shattered his skull. Now that <clears throat> can't even imagine the pain. Can't even imagine coming back from that. Really, you know. But this guy, yeah. I mean, he he's walking, talking. Um, he's a lovely man, you know. So I don't know. I really I really admire people like that that are told you can't do it, and they go fuck you. I'm going to do it. Um, so. Yeah, so I'll go there. So now I go there every fortnight, roughly, and um, yeah, it's an ongoing service. But now I've done the big cleanup; it's much easier. It's just we've just been and mowing lawns and listening to podcasts. So uh, yeah, I'll go to another break and come back shortly. And I'm uh, back in. So that's uh, two jobs done. 
for today. Um, yeah, that one was pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah. It's funny, I was thinking more about when I first started my business, and um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I've talked about this before on the podcast, so if I have, forgive me, but you know, three years of podcasting, can't be expected to remember everything I've said, and um, if I did remember, I'd probably regret most of the things I've said. <laughs> Always better to say and then think about it after, speak and then think about it after, you know. Um, so... Yeah, I was thinking about how when I, I I always wanted to have my own little business, right? And I guess gardening was the go-to because I thought, well, it's pretty straightforward, something I enjoy, <laughs> easy enough most of the time, you know. Um, took me a long time to finally, you know, take the plunge. And I think that was um, lots of factors, really. It was um, the feeling of like, well, what if I fail, you know? Um Generally, with a lot of things, I will jump uh, both feet in, jump in the deep end, you know. But um, I don't know, I guess because there were, I had responsibilities, family, um, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and bills to pay, blah, blah, blah. I guess it was even more, it was even more of a fear there that what if it failed, what if I failed or the business failed, and then suddenly, oh, what am I going to do? But then, Really, like it wasn't. I kept thinking, well, I'm not unemployable. You know, I've always had a job, always had a secure job. Um, so, what am I worried about? Um, anyway, so it was interesting though because the job I had before this one, I was an architectural rep in the city in in Melbourne, and that was kind of I'd been in sales for a very long time, as we know, and that was, I guess, the natural pathway was like I was a, a well a long time ago I was in retail then I went into um, wholesale sales and then I was managing a couple of places for a while and then went back into wholesale again and then I became um, architectural rep so anyway I won't bore you with the pathway but yeah it was I guess I kind of always aspired to being that level of salesman where it's, um, you know, you're not just walking into retail shops and, and spruiking your wares, you're, um, you know, you're, you're dealing with the big key builders and decision makers that are building infrastructure, build, putting cities together, you know, putting up um, high rises and apartment blocks and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so I finally landed a job and then it was in the heart of the city and I uh, thought, you know, this is it. I've reached my pinnacle <laughs> uh, within my own uh, career. And I reckon probably six months in, actually, that's probably generous. I'd say three or four months in, I soon realized that it wasn't what I wanted. I couldn't stand working in the city. I'm not a, I'm a suburbanite, I suppose, by default, um, unfortunately, I, I think I'm a country boy at heart, but I, I'm definitely not a city person, too many fucking people, and I don't know, just, yeah, it really dawned on me quite quickly that um, I, I couldn't stand working in the city, I couldn't stand looking for car parks, I couldn't stand just the density of people. Um, and it was just such a, I don't know, such a perverse sort of contrasting world where you've got very well-to-do people in very well-to-do areas um, stepping over 
um, people the the opposite end of the scale where they they can't they're, they're begging for money for food um, they're addicted they're you know they're they're on struggle street literally so I don't know it just became this weird sort of uh, circus of chaos that I was wandering around in and just was like well, I like obviously I can't I can't fix any of the um, homeless issues and stuff but. I don't know. I also guess I didn't want to be part of it. I didn't, I'd give money where I could, but obviously you can't stop for everyone and, and do something for everyone. So, which made me sad. And anyway, anyway, look, I, I guess all up in general, it wasn't just because of those things. There was other things going on as well, but it, I, I wasn't happy. I was very unhappy in what I was doing. I thought about switching, um, you know, going go to a different company. That's the thing, though. The company I worked for were great. I loved the people. The people were fantastic. All of them. I got along with everyone there, um, from the big boss down to the sales staff, whatever, you know, um, down to the warehouse guy, whatever. Um, it was, they were all a really cool bunch of people. So I guess that made it a little bit harder to decide as well what I wanted to do. And... I, th- I thought about, you know, like I said, jumping into another company of the same sort of, um, in the same sort of industry, but I don't know, that didn't excite me, and I didn't want to go backwards as well, um, and, and that's my own interpretation, I just, I, I didn't want to go back to wholesale, I didn't want to go back to knocking on retail customers' doors and all that kind of thing, so I... Yeah, I don't know. I guess I it got to a bit of a crescendo one day. I was sitting in my car. I was about to go to a sales meeting, and um, I just was like, "What?" I, you know, it all sort of welled up inside me, and I thought, "What the fuck am I doing?" Like, I can't. I literally don't want to do this. I felt I felt a sense of like, a, sort of uh, maybe a little bit of a shame to admit it on a podcast, but I felt a sense of wanting to run away. <laughs> That's a bit piss week I know but I guess that's the point I got to where then I called my wife right there and then and I said look I'm unhappy and I hadn't really told her anything um and I said you know I I don't want to do this and she said well you know what do you want to do like let's be real what do you want to do and I said I want to start my own little gardening business (laughs) I almost said it tentatively because I I knew that she wouldn't laugh but I I guess you know I was on pretty good money and all that kind of crap and I just thought is she going to be like oh well what about the money and what about it and you know what she didn't she just said okay do it she said I have faith in you I I believe that you can do it you know and I guess I was taken aback not like I said not because I thought she was going to be like mock me or doubt me or anything like that I just I don't know I guess because it was hard for me to admit that I felt like I was failing at this and wanted to try something else and then she was just great about it so then you know yeah I, 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 I really did I jumped in feet first and um, I've got to say it's probably I've made lots of bad decisions in my life a hell of a lot um, but I've also made some very key great decisions and uh, one of them definitely was starting this business um, and it was interesting to me because, you know, when I started to tell my clients that, yeah, I'm, I'm moving on and they'd say, oh, what are you, where are you going? Like they'd straight away think I was going to go to an architectural firm or I was going to another building into uh, another uh, building company or tile company or, or bathroom wear or whatever. They all, you know, had these preconceived ideas of what, oh, so you must be doing something like this and I'd say no I'm going to start my own business they go oh okay like so supply and I said no no I'm going to be a gardener and 
not like some of them were great some of them were you, you, they go oh that's awesome well done you know and, and good luck and all that kind of thing but others were there was a look in there maybe maybe I'm being too sensitive but there was a look in their eye I was like what the fuck you're gonna go cut grass uh, you're doing this job but then you're gonna go. <laughs> and may, maybe that's reasonable maybe their background is like that you shouldn't do that like that's for that's for somebody else surely surely you just ring for a man and he comes and does it or a woman um but i yeah i I was like no this is exactly what i want to do um some of them were more vocal were sort of saying oh really like i you know like so oh and then they'd go um oh like setting up like a franchise type thing like running a bunch of like a crew and I'm like no no just me just me on my own doing my own thing and some of them were genuinely like pleased for me some of them very few actually others sort of feigned like uh uh-huh, well done like good luck and you know and, and you clearly see they were like doubtful thinking I wonder how long this is going to last you know um, but it's, <laughs> it's been uh, five years since I officially um, started the business and the whole approach, the whole idea was to keep things simple and keep things humble. Um, with my background in sales, um, part of what I had to do was something called canvassing, where you you look at an area, you suss out the area, you do your research on the area, and you think, okay, is it worthwhile putting product in there? Is it going to make make me money? Um, and then. Um, if you think it does, then you start making phone calls, um, knock, literally knocking on doors and, and seeing if you can generate some business. Um, now, the means to do that, obviously, in this day and age is through the internet where you can do all the research you like. Um, and that's honestly, that's essentially what I um, applied to this little business of mine. I looked at areas. Um, I obviously had to keep it fairly local to where I was at the time. Um, and but I, I guess I was thinking outside the box of it. I was thinking like petrol stations, fuel stations. You know, um, could I get a whole bunch of BP petrol stations and I just service them? You know, um, Big Was uh, friend and co-host of Flying Wall Podcast. He uh, was a sole trader at one time, and he worked for a whole bunch of, or he still does, a whole bunch of childcare companies. So I, I was looking at childcare companies. I was thinking, oh, well, maybe I could do something like that, where I go and service three or four in a day or whatever, and that's my day's work done. I started looking at uh, retirement villages. Anyway, long story short, that eventually, I was, I was picking up a few jobs here and there. I advertised online and, um, you know, like a, like a classifieds kind of website we have here called Gumtree. And that was getting me one or two or three a week, you know, and then that would sometimes, word of mouth, would lead to others. Um, but then eventually, yeah, through the, the research I was doing, I stumbled across um, home care. And I, I really didn't know anything about it. So I did my research on that and found out that there's a whole ton of people out there for a whole myriad of dis- different reasons that they, they are still able and still confidently live independently, but they just need a helping hand with some things. It could be meals, could be cleaning the interior of their house, could be cleaning gutters, it could be driving them to and from shops, it could be socialising, could be um, you know going to play pool and, and bowling and, and uh, whatever you want, art classes and stuff like that. Um, and there's also room for gardeners. And I thought, bingo, okay, that could work. So 
Anyway, long story short, again, <laughs> I started making some contacts and um, and haven't looked back. That was uh, that was sort of towards the end of 2017. I got a couple of care companies on board, and then just it just organically grew from there. And uh, then one in particular. Um, I got a flyer in the mail of all things actually and for this particular care company and thought I'll you know flick in my resume and what I'm doing I'd been gardening for about a year or so by that stage and uh, they called me within 15-20 minutes and we had an online uh, you know over the phone chat interview whatever you want to call it got along really really well Um, she was very excited I was very excited and she said look definitely want to take you on board I can give you a couple of customers straight away um, and that was that. And now, predominantly, I, I am loyal to them and work for them, contracted to them for probably 70, 80% of my workload is for them. And it's brilliant. It really is. So, anyway, that's, that's a long-winded story. Uh, I, guess, I guess what I'm what I'm getting at is that if you feel stuck in your job, if, you, if you're not happy doing what you're doing, there's, there's definitely work out there. You've just got to put your thinking cap on. Um, I really admire people that like jump online and, and start selling stuff on there. Um, one of my clients actually, um, yeah, he sells tons of stuff via eBay and via other uh, websites, um, vintage stuff, high-end stuff, all sorts of things. And he does very, very well with it, you know? So, and he started with just going, yeah, I'll just try and sell a few things. Um, so I don't know, I think, you know, if you really want to do it, then then the worst thing you can do is not try. It's always, as the old saying goes, better to try and fail rather than not try at all. And I can obviously, honestly, sorry, uh, put my hand up and say it can work. If you are willing to make some sacrifices, if you're willing to work hard, if you're willing to go, shit, I haven't got much money coming this week, but it will get better. Then, and a bit of determination behind you, know, you know, a bit of, bit of guts, then yeah, you can you can really do anything you want. Um, I found it, and still find it, unbelievable just how much work there is out there. You know, there really is. If you knock on the right doors and and ring the right people, and but even like I mean, I'll get work where I'm just um, actually the one I told you about earlier, the uh, the got uh, the gentleman that had the car accident. I was working across the road, and he came across and said, "Oh, are you a gardener?" And I was like, what gave you that idea? That's my just running joke. Uh, it gets funnier every time I tell it. Yeah, he, um, yeah, he uh, just saw me and seen me every month sort of there and was like, oh, I need a gardener. And then he finally got a hold of me and, and went from there. And that happens a fair bit as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, hang up your boots and, well, no, pick up your boots and go become a gardener. <laughs> it is a great job, though. Um, I'm just saying, I just guess I'm just trying to encourage you that if you're unhappy, in what you do, fix it and chase your dreams, do what you want to do and try your luck, you know. I, um, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but I did sort of, not not convince, I, I think he was uh, encouraged by the fact that I had started this business, uh, My one of my brother-in-laws, um, and he, he, he quit his job that he'd been at for a very long time and just had enough because they really it sounded like they really didn't appreciate him um anyway so he had enough of that and he jumped into gardening and i couldn't be happier i was like oh awesome obviously his business is um 
nowhere near as cool. <laughs> nah, I'm only joking. Um, yeah, and for, from what I've heard as far as our last conversations, things are going well for him. He's been at it a couple of years now as well, I think. And uh, yeah, so when I do see him, we just sit around talk about gardening. <laughs> and everyone else is like, what the fuck? But yeah, I don't know. It's kind of nice to be able to relate to someone about you know the ins and outs of being a gardener. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I can't honestly. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just gardening, but I can't rave about it enough. Being your own boss is an absolute dream. I have more time for the kids and the family. Um, I get to pick and choose within reason, obviously. Uh, weather dictates a little bit sometimes the schedule um, and the amount of work I've got as well. Just quietly, <laughs> I've got quite a few customers on the books now. Um, so, but you know, if I go, oh, you know what? Uh, I'm fucked. I'm, I had too much port last night, so I'm just gonna work till one or two o'clock in the afternoon, I reckon, have an early day, and then the next day, I'll put in a big day, you know? It's, uh, yeah, it's great, I love it. Anyway, we'll go to another break. And I am back in. <clears throat> You're listening to Fly on the Wall podcast, episode 178. Uh, it's a separate, separated one again. Uh, yeah, Warren's done his thing. I'm doing my thing. Hope you still enjoy it though, guys. Remember to um, spread the word. Don't worry about reviewing. I know you're not going to do it anyway, so why the fuck do I bother asking? <laughs> but... You might be inclined, if you like what we do, you might be inclined to go, you know what, I'll tell someone at work today, you should listen to Fly on the Wall podcast. It's 80% bullshit and 20% mildly interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, promote it, tell your friends, tell your family. You know the deal, guys. Uh, tell, I always I always get a bit of a buzz out of um, possibly one of you or many of you telling someone who you really don't think would like it. You know, like tell your mother-in-law who's really straight-laced and um, bit of a, maybe a bit of a Bible basher. You know, tell her. Uh, put a bit of wind up her, Jaxie. Um, tell... If you still frequent a library, Big Waz and I were talking about libraries recently. Um, if you frequent a library, why not, as you're scanning your books or whatever you got to do, uh, just say to the librarian, hey, you should have a listen to Fly on the Wall podcast. Put down the books. Put down the books, you bookworm, and really learn something by listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. <laughs> learn that we're a couple of wankers. Okay, so where are we up to with my day? So I've done, um, what have I done? I've done three jobs now. Um, now I'm heading up to my mountain client. I'm not going to mount him. I'm just, he lives on a mountain. Uh, and yeah, spend the rest of the afternoon there. It's uh, starting to drizzle, but that's okay. Um, I don't mind getting a bit wet with gardening. You can't you can't push a mower, a lawnmower, when it's like torrential rain, because it's just you're just going to churn up the lawn and it's going to look pretty ugly, like a swampy mess when you're done, you know. But if it's a bit of drizzle and it's been dry-ish the last couple of days, then you can usually get it done. I don't wear any wet weather gear, um, partly because I'm an idiot, and two, <laughs> partly because, uh, I don't know, I think it just gets in the way, it's a bit cumbersome, 
I basically just wear a bikini most of the time. Yeah, that's why I get paid so well, eh? They like to see those hairy cheeks, those pale, hairy butt cheeks, pushing a mower around. <laughs> oh, God, I'm gonna make myself feel sick. Yeah, so it's been good having you on the journey with me. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about how my job, I don't employ anyone. I, there, at one time I was considering taking on someone um, and even did for a couple of jobs, but it just didn't really work out. And I guess that put a bit of a sour taste in my mouth and I thought, nah, if I, if you've got to rely on other people, they're gonna let you down, you know? So I know that's very um, pessimistic outlook, but it's also a bit of a realistic one, I suppose, when you're running a business. And yeah, unless it was like, if Big Waz's sons, too good, hard working, strapping lads, if they said to me, Luke, can you chuck us a bit of work? Then I would definitely consider that. But as far as expanding or getting other people on board, nah, nah, I'm okay. I never set out to um, set the world on fire with gardening. Uh, I just, I honestly just wanted a, a very basic, simple, humble little business that um, provided for me and my family. And um, it was something I enjoyed doing. Uh, yeah, and I, I honestly do thoroughly enjoy it. It's not a really, it's very rare if I get out of bed and go, oh, fuck my life, it's work day, you know? Like very, very, very rare. Um, I mean, yes, the, the summertime, that can be tough. Here in Australia, you can get, you know, uh, mid 30s, uh, low 40s sort of thing where I live. Um, and that, you know, I, I generally call it a day when it hits the 40 mark. Uh, I don't, to be honest, I don't feel the heat too badly. I, I just get on with it. I actually don't notice it until I get home. I get home into the air conditioning house, air conditioned house, and then I go, oh fuck, it's hot, you know? But when I'm working, I think because I'm just focused and just getting the job done, it doesn't like yes, I'm, I'm noticing I'm covered in sweat and dripping, but I don't. It, it doesn't bother me, you know. I just I just get it done. Um, yeah. So what the fuck was I talking about? Uh, yeah, love my job. I definitely think you guys, if you if you are unhappy, there's plenty of people out there that like doing the nine to five thing or um, or shift work or whatever, you know. And you might be quite happy and content in your in your workplace, and I think that's great. Um, other people just do it because it pays the bills and they don't really care and they live for the weekends and that's okay too. Um, me, I, I guess I've always wanted some level of job satisfaction and it's often, especially in my earlier days, it was often the case where I couldn't do what I really wanted to do so I enjoyed what I was doing and made the most of what I was doing, you know, and I've, I've had some shitty jobs, believe you me, but um, I've also been lucky enough to have some really good jobs and met lots of wonderful, great people. Oh, that's what I was going to talk about. So I'm on my own, day in, day out. I might occasionally, there's a few customers who like to have a bit of a chin wag, and that's okay. A chin wag for our international listeners, in case they don't know what chin wag is, is just a chat. Um, uh, most customers, if they are home, often they're not home, you know, they're out doing their thing, they might just give me a bit of a wave, how you going, Luke, you know, oh, and they might have a request, so oh, can you cut this down, or can you dig this hole, or whatever. And that's all good, but for the most part, I'm on my own, and I love it. I'm not one who ever gets lonely. I'm not one who needs to be around people. I never get bored or anything like that. I am quite happy in my own company. Um, all the voices in my head keep me company. <laughs> um, and you know, I have my podcasts that I listen to, true crime, um, history channels sort of stuff as well. 
um, some some sort of funny stuff, but I honestly don't really find the the podcasts that are labelled comedy. I don't find many of them very funny. Um, but there are some great ones out there, like Last Podcast on Left. That's got to be one of my favourites. That, that includes comedy and true crime, and also just interesting stories about UFOs and that kind of stuff as well. Um, there's a couple of movie uh, podcasts that I listen to as well, like um, Beta Babylon or Babylon Beta. Um, yeah, it's a good one. And uh, Lights, Camera, Rant. That's a really good one too. But as far as my little bit on this little episode, I'm pretty much done, guys. I'm... Um, as I say, heading up to the mountain, going to have a bite to eat, uh, have my water, and um, yeah, be burning off for the rest of the day, really. Uh, you know, like big bushfires. Nah. <laughs> nah. Just burning off green waste. And it's quite, you know, it's quite a relaxing day. Even though there is a bit of drizzle, doesn't bother me. I'll sit under a tree, watch the fire, stoke the fire, and uh, see out the rest of my afternoon like that, and get paid for it. So it's pretty good. Pretty good life. So yeah, by all means chase your dreams, you know, do what you want to do, make yourself happy, that's what life's all about, be good to yourselves, be good to your goats.